Jada Jackson was a first-generation student, the one everyone back home said would go to college. She was on scholarship in her first semester at Penn State when she got the news that changed everything. About a month into college, I found out that I was pregnant by my high school sweetheart. I decided to go home to have a healthy pregnancy because there was no way I was going to be an honors college student and juggle pregnancy at the same time. She felt she had let everyone down, her classmates, her family, her community. But she was determined to not let herself down, and especially determined to make a life for her new son. I knew that I was still going to follow my dreams and that I would still make it happen. Jackson, now a senior in chemical engineering at Ohio State, is among the hidden, underserved college students with children who largely fly under the radar on American campuses. I called them the invisible population because people will see them as students, but they don't see them as parents, which is why instead of calling them student parents, I call them parenting students because they're parents first. Tracy Lewis directs Ohio State University's Access Collaborative, which since 1989 has assisted parenting students at Ohio State. You know, nobody wants to be stared at because you're pushing a stroller across campus. Nobody wants to be made to feel bad because their child is sick or the daycare is closed about missing class or being penalized for missing class because their child was sick. They don't want to even tell faculty that they have children because they don't want them to think that they're going to use their child as an excuse. If you're working in higher education or attend college, parenting students are in your classes, your advising office, your cohort, even if you don't realize it. Lewis and Associate Professor Kelly Pertel from Education and Human Ecology are working hard to make sure that you do realize it. Parenting students are part of the campus community. And yes, being in college is especially challenging for them. But if they're given support, they don't just beat the odds, they prosper. This is the Ohio State University Inspire podcast, a production of the College of Education and Human Ecology. I'm Robin Chenoweth. Carol Del Grasso is our audio engineer. Kyle Bucklew is our student intern. Kelly Pertel began in 2019 evaluating a federal program that gives childcare subsidies to Pell Grant-eligible students, called C-Campus. The Office of Diversity and Inclusion received the grant the year before. She quickly discovered some surprising truths about college-going parents. Most recent national statistics we have show that 4 million undergrad students are also parents, and that this constitutes about 22% of all undergrad students overall. So it's a really big part of our college-going population. That's kind of shocking, actually. (laughs) It's very shocking. Most people don't recognize that there are so many student parents attending our universities across the country. The most common place where student parents are is community colleges, but there's also a large portion of student parents at public and private universities that offer four-year degrees as well. How many are at Ohio State? Because admissions applications and university-wide surveys don't ask, we don't really know. But while some 400 student parents were Pell-eligible in 2021, that number doesn't include international students, 
graduate students are students who do not submit the Free Application for Federal Student Aid, or FAFSA. Tracy Lewis. We're only capturing some of them because we're looking at FAFSA. We know there's a whole lot more. But we do know the number of Pell-eligible parenting students fell 17% last year and 29% since 2016. So at Ohio State, fewer parenting students are being accepted or applying in the first place, and fewer are matriculating from community colleges. You have students who may want to come to Ohio State, but they can't because they have a child and there's nowhere for them on campus to live with their child. Off-campus housing is not where I would want to be with my child. So then they have to move farther away, or we've had students that have come and have either found out they were pregnant once they got here, or they got pregnant while they got here, and then they have to move out of the dorm. There are lots of other reasons parents decide not to become students. Kelly Pertell. The challenges that parenting students face run the gamut from really structural financial challenges through psychological and social well-being. In both our local data and national data, we find that the majority of student parents are working. They're balancing raising their children, going to classes, getting their coursework done, studying for exams, and trying to bring income in to support their household. There's just a real big time crunch in terms of how do they get through everything they need to get through every day. Alumna Jillian Deese had her son as an undergrad in 2017 after transferring from Ohio State's College of Engineering into the College of Education and Human Ecology. She was studying to become a math and science teacher. It's not just us going to class, learning, passing tests, and graduating. We're doing all of that as well as taking care of these little people, trying to make them be the best they can be, also taking care of our mental sanity, and probably balancing financial struggles. A typical day for Deese and her son Jalil when she was an undergrad? Up at 7, get breakfast, get her son to daycare by 8. Hopping on the cab bus across the street, um, about 30 to 45 minutes is always having to be planned because you never know if the bus is going to come late or be full or what might happen. Class at 9, followed by a break. Get lunch and find a study spot and try to camp out and do some work. Typically, I fell asleep because I was tired, uh, but I attempted. Then class from 2 to 4. Then again from 4.30 to 6.45. By then, I would try to grab food on the way back to the cab's pickup. So I might go to Scott Cafe, grab their to-go meals. Two of them? One for you? One for your son? Yep, I would grab two of them and then carry those on the bus, get to the bus, get to the car, go across the street, pick him up from daycare. She was lucky. Jalil's center at Ohio State provides care until midnight, one of the only facilities in the city that does. By this point, he's not been at daycare for 12 hours, right? So it's 8 o'clock almost. We're going to run home, eat get cleaned up, and now it's pretty much straight to bed for him. So by that point, I'm so drained. I have just enough energy to nurse him, and we typically fall asleep together. And then I wake up in the next morning and try to do it again, try to fit in whatever I didn't do the night before and power through till the weekend, till you know, you can hopefully make up some time. 
Dee's parents had passed away by the time she was 17. There was no family to ask for help. The same was true for Jada Jackson, who, after earning an associate's degree at a Bowling Green State University regional campus, moved with her son to Columbus to pursue a bachelor's in chemical engineering. Now, she was more than two hours from her family. I was accepted into this program. And so to other people, it might sound scary. Wow, you just moved two and a half hours away with no family and a kid and began college. And for me, it was an opportunity that didn't even seem realistic. Moving away two hours was the least bit of my words. I was so happy and so grateful to have this opportunity that nothing else mattered. Dees and Jackson, with the help from the Access Collaborative, both received federal child care vouchers, as well as C campus subsidies that pay $2,500 per semester toward their children's care. Stephanie Fields oversees Ohio State's C campus grant. A child care payment can run a typical person, a working individual or a working family, close to $1,500 per month. So we can imagine how that might be pretty steep for a family who may not be working or attending school, both parents attending school, or a single parent. So that's why it's so valuable for students, especially at OSU, to utilize that resource. Kelly Pertel. We know there's a shortage of childcare availability nationwide. We know that that's gotten worse during the pandemic. And it's particularly bad around colleges where students, staff, and faculty all want to have their children in the programs that are either on campus or really close to campus. And so it becomes incredibly hard to get your child in. There are incredibly long wait lists. One of the really nice features of OSUC campus program is that they intentionally developed partnerships with high quality childcare providers both on but also off campus. But almost no centers provide evening care. And even recently, many closed for days when COVID outbreaks occurred. So parenting students with sick kids or evening meetings for projects often find themselves stuck. Jada Jackson. I remember one day I was in class and I got a phone call from my son's daycare that said my son's fever was so high that I had to come get him. I had a quiz that day. I just have to stop everything that I'm doing and go get my son. And I don't have any family here. I don't have my mom to call and say, hey, can you pick up my son? Because I can't. I just have to adjust. Another thing that I've had to deal with would be scheduling classes. I'm in my senior year. Some of my classes, there's only one day in time of the week for this class. One of my classes are on Mondays from 6.30 to 7.50 every week. My son's daycare closes at 5.45. But I need this class to graduate. So it's either that professor has to be understanding that I need to bring my son to class with me or I have to find other ways to make it work. The workforce of early child care educators is dwindling. So that's why it's almost like a domino effect. If you can't hire the workers at a pretty good salary, you're not going to get workers that will be willing to work the evening hours. But parenting students' need for emergency and drop-in care is great, Pertel says. And that's in part due to 
they're changing schedules week to week. So in addition to attending classes, there are some weeks where there's a lot of exams and they need extra time to study. Group projects are a big reason for the need for drop-in childcare. But also for some of our student parents, it's changes in their work schedules that are happening week to week. But overall, what we find is having backup plans or additional options for child care is something that student parents report in our focus groups is something that they need. There are money stressors too. Dee's lived in the Columbus Scholar House, a community properties of Ohio cooperative that provides housing for student parents from Ohio State and other colleges. Jackson lives there now. But there are many other expenses. Dee's disbursement check from her scholarships had to last for months. So you're making $5,000 stretch for six months. And that's buying food, diapers, uh, whatever clothing you need, transportation. Toiletries, exactly. Transportation, I always had a car payment, assuming you don't need an oil change that month. All these other factors. And also being a, someone who's going into a professional field where you need specific attire. If I have to go into school, I can't wear my leggings and hoodie that I wear to class. If any of those social services were to fall from under us, like the housing or food stamps, or we had Medicaid as well, we are stuck and stranded if we don't have insurance. We are stuck and stranded if we're not able to find food. That's when Tracy Lewis and the Access Collaborative go to bat for parenting students. Today, I got a text message from a student who says, I'm having issues with jobs and family services, and they've cut off my SNAP benefits, and I don't know why. I can't reach them. I've been on the phone. I've been calling and calling and calling, and I've been on hold for half hour, over an hour, and I'm in class, and I'm trying to take care of this, and I've been going to the pantries in the community, but it's not lasting, and my son and I don't have enough money for food. Lewis provided gift cards for groceries and advice for wading through the bureaucratic quagmire of programs that are supposed to help parenting students, but can serve as a barrier to their success. So they don't always have an hour to sit on the phone and wait or to go down to Jobs and Family Services and sit all day because they've got class. So it makes it very, very hard you talk about what their struggles are, some of the challenges, that's a huge challenge. Dealing with poverty is not new for most parenting students. Most of them are just doing everything in their power to get out of it. Jada Jackson. I grew up with my mom being a single parent of five kids. So like I grew up in poverty. I've been poor my whole life. One of the things that I've learned the most growing up, seeking opportunities for myself was never be afraid to ask for help. And the worst they can say is no. Sometimes parenting students feel guilt about the time they spend studying, about the fact that they could be working a $15,000 a year job, which might be easier in the short run. But I like to tell myself, I don't remember anything from when I was four years old, you know, and we're struggling now, but I'm doing it so I can build a better life. And so that he can grow up and have better opportunities. Being a parenting student is tough, all on its own. But Kelly Pertel's research has pointed to one issue that should be a no-brainer, except that it means creating a cultural shift. 
One of the more unique things that the research that we've been doing has shown is that campus belonging and feeling supported at college is something that parenting students are often struggling with. Describe that a little bit. What are they missing? We found that they pretty consistently report low feelings of campus belonging or feeling connected to others on campus. And we followed that work up by doing more in-depth focus groups with parenting students. And we just hear that there's a lot of barriers that prevent them from really feeling like campus is welcoming and open to them. And some of these things are really logistical, like it's really hard for them to bring their children to campus with them because their strollers don't fit on the campus buses or they don't have enough room on the sidewalks. Um, But it's also that they don't necessarily feel as though campus is open to having their children on campus. Jillian Deese. People are much more excited to see dogs on campus than kids. You know, I had that thought too. I think you see a lot of dogs. You you don't see a lot of children. No, and it's, it's hard to see them. Like, where would you see them? There's not really a space for them. I've seen parents struggle to bring their stroller on the bus because the bus is packed and no one makes space. I remember being pregnant and though I preferred to stand, I was never offered a seat on the bus by many people. And this is when I was like eight, nine months pregnant. So it's very clear and obvious that I am very pregnant. It was never that I got a big bad look or anything like that. It just, you could see there was no welcoming feeling either. Kelly Pertel. We find that parenting students are often not comfortable disclosing with either their classmates or their instructors that they are student parents. For many of these student parents, it is grounded in experiences that they've had that have gone negatively in the past. So we do hear lots of stories of student parents feeling supported by the instructors that they're interacting with or the classmates that they're working with on group projects. But we also hear a number of stories where things don't go as well. Like a professor who didn't give a student flexibility when her child was sick. Or when a faculty member encouraged a student to bring her son to class after childcare fell through, but then joked to the class that she hated babies. That student never brought her son to class again. The culture of how parenting students are accepted on campus does need to be addressed. A lot of student organizations may meet in in the evening. Well, you know, they don't have anybody and they can't pay for a babysitter at, at night, so they can't participate. So they end up really not feeling welcome or comfortable because they can't really take advantage of the college experience because it's basically saying it's not for you because you have a child. If higher education is going to live up to its commitment to diversity and inclusion, especially at four-year institutions, it needs to shift, Pertel says, so that parenting students can find belonging. Really improving the family friendliness of campus. And this is the one that I especially think is a series of small changes Um, changing the attitudes, increasing awareness, redoing some campus spaces, and finding new ways to create connections for these students at a place as large as Ohio State. The shift can happen, 
The Access Collaborative partnered with Thompson Library to create a family zone on the library's first floor where students can bring children. Parenting students report that within the confines of their cohorts, they are finding acceptance, people who embrace them and their children. And living in the Columbus Scholar House has been invaluable for providing parents access to students like themselves. It's like a huge family. We have a huge group chat with all the mothers. And if anybody ever needs something, they text a group chat and there's found to be one person who can help. When new moms come and they're less experienced, there's always somebody willing to help. And we all have experienced the same circumstances. So we're so willing to be that person that somebody needs. What's at stake if we don't embrace parenting students? Losing out on the complexity and host of perspectives that they bring. Jillian Deese. Parenting students are driven by their passions because they see who they have to push through and support. So they're focused on whatever that big goal they want to accomplish. They're going to get there. As long as those basic needs are met, they'll probably be your top tier student and probably collaborate and offer some really cool insight because their lens is different. The filters that I like to call them in which they're processing information and scenarios through is different compared to your modernly traditional student. More than 500 students have graduated through the Access Collaborative Program, including 12 set to graduate this spring. And while dropout rates are high for student parents nationwide, that's not the case for Ohio State's Access Collaborative students. I read a statistic somewhere that they tend to have higher GPAs. The average GPA for our students, it ranges between a 3.3 and a 3.5. Yes. So they are, they are so on point. They come in, they stay on track. If we can keep them focused on what they need yes. to do, they stay on track and they're out of here in four years. Exactly. They're not here five, six, seven years. They're out in four years. And here's the other piece. They're moving on to graduate school. Yes. These students, you know, they're not, they're not playing. We have doctors, we have lawyers, we have entrepreneurs, we have social workers. A lot of them are creating their own businesses and doing their, you know, just doing their thing. They're diligent, they're motivated, they they do not take no for an answer. Once you give them some momentum, like they run, they run with it, with their whole heart. So. And their kids are right alongside them. They're dragging their kids <laughs> right, right with them. <laughs> Attend the 2022 Virtual National Student Parent Support Symposium, May 18th and 19th. For more information, go to Ohio State's Office of Diversity and Inclusion website.